Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. Welcome to another episode of Milo Time. Daryl Kessler along with Lisa Cohen. Hey there. And Lisa, great to be up in your studio on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Yes, the mean streets. The mean streets of the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And once again, we're in a studio that doubles as Henry's room. Yeah. And uh, the decor is... uh, It's a creative space. It's a creative space and it's just wonderful. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, just recently I was reading something that made me think about this particular podcast and what we're doing here. And there have been a couple of books written recently, apparently, none of which I read, but I read an article summarizing them, which makes me feel as though I may have read something <laughs> Did you read the books. headline of the article? <laughs> and then I read the first half of that yeah. article, and I feel it's appropriate for me to opine on the of subject. Of course, of course. But there have We're been a all given of, that license now. Yeah. There are a couple of books written recently, I think, about about storytelling and, and how um, people throw the term around narrative, storytelling, tell your story, control the narrative, those kinds of things. And the article that I read in The New Yorker fairly recently was looking critically at that idea, the idea of telling stories and who gets to tell them and what do they put into the stories and what do they leave out of the stories. And it got me thinking about what we've been doing here. When you and I started doing this months ago, I think we went in not really having a plan and I think that was a great idea. And reading these articles got me thinking about what we've been doing and what we're achieving and what we unfortunately can't possibly do completely. Mm-hmm. And I uh, am telling stories as truthfully as I can tell them. And I think that by telling these stories, people who are listening may be getting a good picture of who Milo was mm-hmm. through my eyes. But in reality, with our kids, when they're very young, we're with them 95% of the time. And then when they get a little older, that goes to 75%, whatever the numbers are. And by the time our kids are in high school and then off in college, which unfortunately didn't happen for Milo, we're with them actually a fairly small percentage of the time. Well, it's I mean, it's not just time uh, spent. It's also... The, the, you know, when they're when you're with them 100% of the time in the very beginning, they're not they're completely dependent on you, right? right. Like they, they don't have any powers of their own. And so just over time like that, it's an obvious statement, but like the, that the whole, you know, object of the exercise is to get them to their own life and world and, you know, so that we're from the minute they're born, they're separating. Right. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, by the time by the time he got sick, he was you know really fully separated. Like, yeah. I mean, that's you know he was on his own, and that's yeah. you know, there's that old saying that you want your kids to have roots and wings. You want them to come back, mm-hmm. but you want them to fly also. Mm-hmm. And um, as your children start to do that, you have a sense of who they are and you hope they are who you think they are but um, you lose less contact with them day to day so um, when a couple of weeks ago Caleb and Evan Milo's friends came on the show or when James came on the show and Matt came on the show the reason I value those so much is because I'm getting someone else's perspective on who he Mm -hmm. is they're telling their honest memories of who Milo was to and them. To not, them, uh, to them, which right, is huge. That's right, exactly right. right. And the idea here is the more people who come in and give honest 
appraisals and honest stories and recounting of ways that they intersected with Milo, the more accurate a picture we can present of who Milo was and is to all of us. And I'm very mindful of the fact that it's even, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but how much of ourselves do we even know when so much of our own lives are spent in our own heads Mm -hmm. and we tell ourselves stories and I'm trying to be as accurate in what I speak about Milo. Um, I'm trying to be as accurate as I can be and I'm hoping other people come on the show and are accurate and truthful. And I think at the end of the day, what we're doing here um, is trying to create a picture of who Milo was as far as all of us mm-hmm. together in Milo's community right. could draw a picture. Right. It, it couldn't possibly be. It, w- it would be incomplete if it was you only. Yeah. And, and it, it, it'll always be incomplete. Right. And even if you or I were to tell our own story, it would be incomplete because there are things we would leave in. There are things we would leave out. There are things from one day to the next, certainly at our age, that we don't even remember. Right. Um, like, what did I have for <laughs> breakfast today, um, for example? There, but, I yeah. mean, th- you throw in social media, and it's that's another layer where it's like, you know, when, our, when we were teenagers, our parents had no way of knowing where we were, what we were doing. Now we sort of have a weird window into it if 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 they post something and they haven't blocked us, yeah. <laughs> which they should all do. But, um, you know, you kind of... You don't you're you're even in that case, you're not seeing them. You're seeing of the the version of them that they want to advertise. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. So all that being said, we have this whole melange of how we might tell somebody's. I didn't want to say tell somebody's story because that means a lot of different things. But there are there's this whole melange of different sources that can help me learn about Milo selfishly and then help others outside create a picture of themselves of a Milo that they knew a little bit or knew mm-hmm. a lot and could learn more about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what's absolutely beautiful about this for me. Again, selfishly, not in the traditional sense of the word selfish, but just something that's really important and, and beautiful to me. So I guess I thank you one more time. I've done it before <laughs> on the air, but you're the one who's directing me through this. And um it's just been wonderful. And I say one more time, any of other, any of Milo's other friends who want to come on here, any of my family members, Alana's family members, adults from the community who knew Milo, teachers, anyone out there listening who has something that they would like to share uh, concerning Milo, listen to the wise words of James, Matt, Caleb, Evan, who have all come on the show, said, not so bad, not so intimidating. And in the words of Caleb, come on in and chop it up. And <laughs> and um, I would love to hear from you. And I'm sure that our listeners would also. Well said. So with that said, as an introduction, uh, everyone knows by now, I think, uh, at least everybody in our listening audience knows that we're working from a list of things, a growing list of things that Milo loved. And Lisa looks at the list anew each time we record. And picks out something that catches her eye. So I'm wondering whether something today is catching your eye, Lisa. Yeah, salty snack. Salty snack. It's a good one for today now that we've done this sort of lengthy introduction because (laughs) I'd like to think that this one's fairly straightforward, but now that you mention it, my mind is going in a couple of different directions. So salty snacks are exactly what what, what it appears that they are. That is, they are snacks that Milo and I love to share. Uh, There are 
some chocolate eaters in our house, namely Milo's mother, Alana, mm-hmm. my wife. Mm-hmm. I've had then, uh, <laughs> salted caramels, yes. chocolate-covered caramels that are divine. Right, and for Alana, the, the, the chocolate is can't be too pure, too dark, yeah. huge chocolate fan. And then there are others in the house, Milo and me, who were really more salty snack eaters. Then Max can kind of go in either direction. Um, but I, I want to back up a second, you know, I'm feeling philosophical and I'm waxing that way also a little bit. And we've talked a little bit sometimes about how some of the smaller stories can tell a bigger picture or sometimes maybe feel a little more intimate when I'm thinking about them. And although you selected salty snacks, the first thing I'm thinking about now, which might seem a little off point, but I'll try to get back to it. When we spoke a few months ago now about Milo and flag football, it occurred to me that I failed to tell a story that I had told at his service that among the many other memorable things about flag football as soon as milo started playing quarterback i sat him down and i basically said there are going to be some kids on your team who are good players Mm -hmm. there are going to be some kids on your team who are not good players but if you're going to play quarterback i'm going to insist that you make sure that everybody on the team on offense gets a chance at least one play in the game and from that one telling Every time Milo played quarterback in a game and I was in attendance, which wasn't every game, any time the last person on the team would get their hands on the ball on offense, he would make eye contact with me and we would sort of nod (laughs) towards each other. And we never, ever discussed it. And it's this tiny, intimate Mm. little story Mm -hmm. that was between us and it was so quiet and subtle that it was literally never discussed. And I think about that little nod from Milo that I would get anytime I was at a flag football game when the last person on his team either took a handoff or caught a mm-hmm, pass mm-hmm. and therefore everyone on the team had had their chance at an offensive play and he would just make eye contact with me whether it was a first game of the season or a playoff game and he would just nod to me and I would nod to him and that was the end of it we literally never discussed it it speaks so well of him and it brings me back to salty snacks because when we would at the end of an evening whether it was a a weekday and the boys had done their homework or had sports or whatever else they did after school were with friends and we would gather maybe to watch a little bit of a Nets game or a little bit of a Yankees game or an Islanders game. You get the theme. It's we're gathering, to watch, <laughs> we're gathering to watch sports here. At some point, while we were all just hanging out, Milo and I would make eye contact. We'd sort of like nod and one of us would just say, is it salty snack time? And one of us would go downstairs Uh, or over to the kitchen in our house and get a bag of whatever the salty snack was in the house. And it was often lime chips, of course, a classic. Mm, mm, Um, mm -hmm. It could be pistachio nuts. It could be um, sourdough pretzels was always one of Milo's favorites. Um, And then stuff from even when he was much younger, like sort of veggie booty, pirate's booty, (laughs) tings. Veggie booty was really inedible. That stuff was disgusting. It it definitely (laughs) smelled like fish food. I mean, like not the ice cream fish food, but actual fish food. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that sort of intimate and at the Mm -hmm. same time incredibly mundane gesture of just sort of making eye contact and being like, is it time for that salty snack now? I think Mm -hmm. it is time for that Mm -hmm. salty snack. And just one of us naturally getting up and going to get that salty snack. And then sort of the the layer on top of the salty snack was, um, and this is just such a cute story. Even when Milo was older, um, every now and then he would sort of go into the kitchen and he would make up like four glasses of chocolate milk for (laughs) 
the four of us for Alana, Max, <laughs> me, and him. And he would sort of, particularly if we were upstairs, and this is even when he was older and cynical and like sort of <laughs> had it with his parents. Um, and he would just come up with sort of a impish smile on his face, knowing how excited we were going to be <laughs> that we're all sitting watching some game. And here comes Milo with like four heaping glasses of and delicious glasses milk. of chocolate milk and handing them out. And it just made us so happy. I mean, what that is a that. great combo, the chocolate yeah. milk and a salty snack. Yeah. I mean, for me... There's no better evening snack than that combo. As mm-hmm. salty a snack as you can get mm-hmm. and a chocolate milk. And where, where does the gin come in? <laughs> <laughs> the gin, well, for a time, the gin was after the kids went to yeah. sleep. And then over COVID, it was while the kids yeah, were yeah, awake yeah. and the kids would have their white claws and we would have, or beers and we would have our gin. But, you know, it, it does, um, as we've talked about before, sometimes those very intimate and very personal stories are the nearest and the ones you miss the most because they were really not open and apparent to the world. I mean, we spoke earlier today about on this episode about storytelling and trying to create this picture of who Milo is and was. And almost this kind of story is so small and so intimate that it's almost separate and apart from who he was. And it's really just a very personal recollection of something that was such a lovely connection that we had and that played out multiple times Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and probably literally hundreds of times over the course of the time we got to spend together. And um, I think about it quite a bit and I think Alana does too and I know Max does as well when we're sitting now missing one leg of our table watching something in the evening and if I go grab, make popcorn or grab mm-hmm. something, I think it's very hard for us not to think how different it would have been had, again, the fourth leg of our chair, who's supposed right. to be here, been here. And he and I had been sharing that snack and Max sort of jumping in. And um, it's another way that, that things just aren't the same yep. anymore. And, and again, so small in scale, but really so big and... and um, but so beloved and so much missed. In in some ways, it's um it, it's a it's a window into what it's like to um you know have to go on without him, and you are going to throughout your day. I I imagine many times have these tiny little things that just present themselves, and there's Milo. Like he, he, it, there's not going to be a time where you get your salty snack and don't think about that and I think that's I mean that's like what it's like to have kids I think it is this this almost like a shared brain yeah that you know each other so well that there are things that don't need to be said like that and it's exactly right um one thing that I would not have anticipated because you can't anticipate it when you think about the vastness of this loss is that it is it really is ubiquitous and it is everywhere all the time. And I think sometimes, and I'm sure I did this too, when people suffer a loss like this, people on the outside might think that particular days, birthdays Mm. and anniversaries of deaths and big things are what draw your attention. But really, you've said it exactly right, Lisa, I couldn't say it any better. It is the everyday small things that are everywhere in our house, in our refrigerator, in a drawer, Mm. up our block, a walk past his elementary school, 
we walked, Alan and I walked past a sign the other day that's been up in our block that people put up outside their own um, flora and fauna outside mm-hmm. their apartment building. And it has a couple of words that just says, you know, curb your dog, whatever. And Milo, Alan and I were laughing that Milo used to read that when he was like three years old and he would slam the sign and yell Pampers for some reason. <laughs> he would read the sign, Pampers, and he'd slap the sign. And it was, I mean, it was literally a sign of something that Milo was involved in and it couldn't have been smaller and more meaningless, but you're absolutely right. It was illustrative of the fact that signs of him and memories of him are just everywhere all day. And it, it really makes the vastness of the loss present all the time. But, you know, the a positive spin on that would be that it's nice to have these memories all the time, you know, and you, you gives yourself a little, a little hug. <laughs> that, that's absolutely right. And, and that, that's a perfect way to end this. And um, another thing we've talked about before is these things are equal parts beautiful and heartbreaking. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Hmm. That's it for this episode of Milo Time. We hope you join us again next time when one more time we look at the list of things that Milo loved. Thank you very much. 